Welcome back to Security Rules. In today's episode, a conversation with Tufin's Alec Brailsford. Now here's your host, Dan Rowe. I'm here with Alec Brailsford, uh, currently of Tufin, formerly of Lockheed Martin, uh, and a few other places, right, Alec? Uh, how'd, you, how'd you make your path through network security? So, started off um, way back in the day doing um, systems and networking. So, mm-hmm. um, it's back during the MCSC time frame, so kind of dating myself there. Yeah. Um, and uh, during a stint at Lockheed, um, kind of segued into security, um, kind of was forced to. We, we had a, a major breach. Um, well, I shouldn't say a major breach, but one of the other units, business units at Lockheed did a security assessment um, mm-hmm. on the department that I worked at. And, um, you know, they were able to get all through the network. And I was pretty amazed at, you know, what they discovered and how they did it. So kind of that's where my fascination with security came in. Yeah. Um, not only on the, the, you know, the white hat part of, you know, understanding um, and finding where, to, you know, where, um, where the holes are, but also on the back end of um, patching those holes, right? Yeah. So ensuring that the environment's secure. So, and then it kind of started me off on my path to where I am today. Yeah. All right, so so from uh, Jamaican Marines uh, to Lockheed. <laughs> no, actually, it was the American Marines. American so Marines, did, okay. yeah, United States. <laughs> the accent that gets me sometimes. I know, I know, I know, <laughs> so, I know, I know. So, Alec, I was thinking, um, you know, we'd spoken about it a little bit before, but I thought maybe spanning control would be uh, an interesting topic. Um, and you know, to that point, actually, you know a lot more about this than I do. What what is spanning control? Uh, so it it's. It's really um, to kind of sum it up, uh, an ability to. Uh, this is you know obviously my two cents. Sure. Uh, but when I talk about span and control, it's really about um, uh, uh, and in, in, this could be in general terms, not necessarily that it pertains to technology. But um, as you have growth in in anything, um, being able to effectively um, manage and control, you know whatever it is, whether it could be infrastructure, which is probably what we're going to be talking about today, yeah. uh, but it could also be on um, human resources, right? So, okay. you know, you start off with a small team, that team grows, how do you effectively manage that team appropriately? And it kind of goes for anything. I mean, uh, look at it from a farming perspective, you know, I, you know, you farm and you cultivate, you know, you know, you had 10 acres, now you're up to 20 or 30 acres. Yeah. How do you effectively really manage that, you know, as you grow? Um, but being in a technology space and this being, you know, probably more of a technology conversation, um, you know, we're going to stay on the lines of, uh, from, from a technology perspective and looking at, you know, um, in the 21st century as enterprises are growing, you know, how do you effectively really manage span and control and, and look at how that's changed over the years? All right. And so we say span, it's in the context of networking, right? So, Correct. Uh, and I think what you're... And infrastructure. And infrastructure. And I think what you're kind of alluding to is that beyond traditional infrastructure, right? Uh, maybe not on-prem anymore, we're talking about cloud and... Correct. Cloud. Um, I think some of us can remember um, uh, the most recent IBM commercials that talked about, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, minimizing the on-prem. So, you know, you'd see a large data center with like tons of racks. Um, and I remember what IBM was selling, but it was convergence, right? It was showing, you know, you had... 100 racks in here before and now it's down to a single rack within a small data center um that's obviously also um uh, matured to 
you know, beyond just saying, hey, we're not just going to have a bunch of physical infrastructure, but we're going to, you know, move that into the cloud, move that into um, into containers, right? Mm-hmm. And when you look at it, it's, it's um, you know, uh, moving things from what would be a large brick and mortar where you would have hundreds of systems, hundreds of dev- physical devices, and taking that now and making that into hundreds and thousands of virtual instances, okay. um, you know, from a microservices perspective, um, pods, you know, within, say, um, a containerized environment, mm-hmm. uh, and you can have hundreds or thousands of those in an area, but you still have that whole need for being able to, as that uh, infrastructure grows, how do I manage that over span and control, right? So, sure. and it's kind of changing what was now what you were managing physically to know more what you're managing virtually. Interesting. All right, and, and I think the other part uh, to that is the control aspect, right? And I feel like that that's where we see it in the headlines. Yep. Uh, I think we see it just in terms of like the periodicals, the journals I read. Um, control in the cloud and all things cloud is actually like kind of convoluted for some reason. It's funny, right? Because I feel like control would be fairly well-defined, right? We we know uh, things need to access one another and some things shouldn't. We should be able to close it down. But, uh, you know, I think when we talk about control cloud microservice, there's definitely challenges there, right? So yep, absolutely. So, control, um, how are you seeing, uh, you know, even like, um, you know, some of the clients you work with uh, address that? Uh, it's been difficult. Um, I think uh, many of them are at a loss uh, because it's happened so rapidly, the transition, right? Um, you know, and there's this rapid transition, I would say, also from um, cloud to microservices, going mm-hmm. to containers, where it's in less than probably, I want to say, a, a, fi- a, a five to eight year span is where this has all occurred. Um, there are tons of companies offering, you know, uh, up to numbers of, um, of, of tools and applications to help manage the environment, but it's really understanding, um, you know, what's going to be most effective. So I think, you know, a lot of companies right now are, are kind of at a loss, you know, how do I actually, you know, effectively manage that. The other part of it that also creates the, uh, the complexity and the complication in, in uh, being able to achieve that is ownership. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are various teams within the organization that, um, number one, want to have ownership, mm-hmm. uh, but then who actually has ownership right. within the organization. Um, you know, we talk about, you know, the, the insurgents of quote unquote DevOps. Right. So mm-hmm. the development operations team where, you know, they've taken a lot of things that used to occur on prem. They've taken that off prem. And a lot of that has been around um, trying to. Um, uh, subvert or get our own security, mm-hmm. but more importantly, um, it's really been our own trying to um, become more agile, right? right? You know, most businesses now, I'd say, uh, the large majority are all application driven, right? Mm-hmm. Everything is about applications now, um, and having the agility to be able to um, launch, deploy, test, um, utilize, um, spin up, tear down um, has become very important. So, um, you know, that's obviously. Um, been one of the cause for the growth. I feel like the other challenge there too is like connectivity to like, you know, the, the network that, um, you know, security kind of hasn't lost control. Because, and I could be wrong here, but I feel like at some point along the way, um, you know, organizations put the emphasis on business agility and said, all right, applications team, DevOps team, whatever you want to call them, 
you guys go ahead, you innovate, you guys grow the business. Security, you guys are really smart, right? And we're going to fund you, uh, and you guys will figure out how to secure it along the way. But now, you know, with that fragmentation, that ownership, um, it seems like a lot of the conversations I have with folks about containers, uh, well, one, you get the opinion, uh, Dan, containers are, 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 are not secure, right? I might argue against that myself. Uh, in fact, I would. Um, but the thing that uh, I think that sticks out to them is uh, that, that path of connectivity where they know that um, they, they do have some sort of container uh, network uh, in their public cloud. Mm-hmm. The public cloud might already be a little bit obscure, but containers even further so. But what really seems to kind of spook them out is, you know, like maybe uh, someone opened up a, a, a port in a traditional sense to patch a server. In a container perspective, you know, an application needs internet access, but it's also connected to the data center. And like, people can't necessarily see that. Um, so when we start talking about um, controlling, I feel like seeing is probably the first step to uh, even be able to get there, right? So, so how do you see, I guess, clients taking steps towards that? Sure. So you make you bring up a very good point, right? So the 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 first thing in being able to really, or the first step, um, sorry and kind of really being able to take control, uh, you're absolutely right, is visibility, right? Mm-hmm. So what do I have? What does my, um, my landscape actually look like? Um, where's my infrastructure, right? So is it split across multiple cloud services? Um, you know, if I have, if, I'm, um, if it's containerized, where is it containerized? How is it containerized? What's there, right? So visibility obviously is the first aspect. Uh, once you have visibility, then yes, it's then understanding, okay, I know everything that's here. How is it interconnected, right? Because you bring up a good point, right? Um, understanding that connectivity is very important, right? Um, uh, and part of with, with the reluctance in um, uh, moving into, uh, I would say, cloud and, and, and microservices, what has happened is, well, actually, let me take a step back here. Um, what you found is there was an initial push to kind of get out into cloud. Um, with the influx of breaches that occurred based on data being exposed into the cloud, what you saw was um, kind of a little bit of a pushback. But with microservices, um, what folks have kind of opted around doing is, I'm going to move my, uh, my application into cloud, into microservices, um, and I'll utilize that for the agility in deployment, um, the ability for me to be able to uh, create um, uh, a large distributed application uh, for the robustness, for the redundancy, et cetera. But I'm going to keep my data on-prem, mm-hmm. right? So my data is kept in, you know, the typical data center within within my purview where um, I feel I have the better control over it. I have that visibility. So uh, the important aspect is just then being able to monitor the con- connectivity of what's able to access my data here. Because the application in and of itself, if the application um, is breached, really the the, the only real um, issue or risk that I'm posing to myself is the potential of um, if that if if the application is breached it being able to connect back to the data because that's really what folks are trying to get to right yeah so the application is is you know is is immaterial it's a data on the back end right so customer information financial information you know, the list goes on and on. You name it. So, yeah. It's funny. It's like the, the same problem, just a couple different platforms later yep. on. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, one of the things you kind of mentioned before, too, and it's the first aspect of spanning control um, of the different platforms. And I feel like um, 
most of the folks that I end up talking to uh, are no longer like a single cloud shop anymore. People are using multiple different, um, let's say, platforms or vendors. Uh, and even that is fairly unique in the control aspect because now we're talking about multiple vendors uh, that are meant to basically consider it a single network. Um, we start talking about control um, and maybe like between different cloud environments, never mind the physical network, how do you see uh, organizations start to take steps towards securing that? Because now we're talking about like a further fragmentation of something which might be obscured from visibility. Sure. So there are lots of, um, a lot of tools coming out on the market space um, recently, um, you know, like Illumio, Dome 9, mm -hmm. that offer a lot of capabilities in these type of um, for one of a better term, in, in this context, uh, multi-tenants type of environment where, okay. you know, you've got um, different uh, types of cloud vendors um, and you've got data stored or from, an, you know, from, when I say data, could be applications, whatever, across the different environments that give you kind of that single point of, um, of, of visibility. So I see, you know, more, um, uh, more enterprises moving in that direction to really look for tools that are going to give them that extensibility that are agnostic mm -hmm. um, across the various platforms to give them that first step of, of visibility, which is the first step of, of getting into control. Yeah. All right. So let me ask you that because if we talk about visibility and mm -hmm. we now understand that there are certain risks within our network, how do you actually deal with them? So once you have that visibility, I think the next step is really being able to, um, uh, you know, I can see everything. Now I've got to have some type of baseline as far as um, uh, what do I want to achieve, right? So this could be from a policy perspective. So, you know, risk and compliance, right? So, sure. um, you know, uh, number one is, is from a best practices perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, what should be the expectation within this environment? But more importantly, what you're finding in a lot of environments is really coming down to compliance, right? It's what I'm really being forced Okay. Um, to have to uh, to measure against so um, and you've got various regulatory requirements you know across the road I think probably uh, most recently when you look at um, for example um, in in um, in EMEA with GDPR right, right. Um, and, and we are seeing some some semblance of that you know um, you know popping up uh, even here in the U.S. where we are you know you go to certain websites and you'll notice now you get the notifications letting you know. Um, that you know their um, their their plant their you know their cookies. Do you want to accept it? Move forward. Yeah. That's something very new. Wasn't there before, right? Yeah. So if you remember a couple of months ago, we you see those notifications. So even on your mobile devices, yeah. you'll see when you go out and browse. And so so, um, so I think that's kind of the the, the, the next step. I've got the visibility. Um, now I have to have some type of baseline as far as okay, um, what should my environment look like? Um, how should it be from a communication perspective to ensure that I have compliance? So if I've got, for example, an application that's um, accessing PI, right, so personal information, right, um, I want to make sure that from a compliance perspective, I have all the various things in place to, um, to protect that data. So, um, you know, from the perspective that um, I don't want to have uh, that data breached in any way because mm -hmm. those are fines that I potentially will have to pay. Yeah. Well, so at the end of the day, spanning control, connectivity, but with security in it. Um, I think so far, if we look at headlines, we're still trying to get there, but that's going to yeah. be a struggle. Um, do you think it's achievable? Absolutely. Um, you know, it, it's bill it and they'll come. So, 
it's kind of, um, you know, everything starts off with the, how can I put it, um, uh, the adoption to the technology and then kind of the, the, the fix to the span and control, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and this may be an off example, but, and this is also going to date me as well, but <laughs> if you can think back to, for example, um, the AOL days, right? And then yeah. AOL went with this um, unlimited plan and they're like totally saturated because everybody was going for this 1995 um, unlimited dial-up service. Yeah. Um, so initially, you know, there was a crash, there was a, a huge influx, lots of people came on. Um, I think it was, uh, was it uh, Sprint? I remember whose network they are using at the time um, to manage this, but, you know, um, the network went down several times. But over the course, course of a couple of months, they were able to, um, you know, uh, add additional infrastructure, make the necessary redundancy changes, uh, to allow them to be able to manage that additional traffic that was coming in yeah. um, from that influx. So I see it as, um, because a lot of this stuff, especially, you know, when you look at uh, microservices and containers, still in its infancy, so to mm-hmm. speak. And it's it's something that's been um, uh, developed rather rapidly. Um, the market is adopting to it rather rapidly. Um, folks are moving in there. So, uh, and you'll find now that, uh, and over, you know, the next couple of months and years, you'll see more technologies being developed to be able to help people be able to, to manage that span and control over time. Um, so, yeah. And I got one more question too. Sure. Where can I get internet for 1995 a month? That AOL throwback took me back to a place where uh, <laughs> I felt like I wasn't being like raked over the coals by ISPs. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Because it's, it's, it's back up to like 100 bucks um, a month in yeah, some places. I, I tried yeah, tried to put cable and they jacked up my internet so it'd be more yeah. than cable. Uh, my wife still appreciates. So it. yeah, but <laughs> I would say the, the the concession to kind of look at though is that um, that was nineteen ninety five a month for what was that like one twenty eight? I remember what the upload what the what the speed was, but it was like I could download like, like a full MP three album if I left it on overnight and I didn't <laughs> pick up the phone off the hook. Uh, there was nothing more crippling in the morning than finding out that. Um, and obviously, I've never engaged something you know, illegal such that as you're music not, downloading. But, uh, you that your your Napster downloads. Didn't work. <laughs> yeah. All right, hey Alec, uh, it's been great. Thank you very much for awesome. uh, stopping by. Hopefully, we can do this again. It. Yeah, man, expanding control. It, interesting topic, and uh, I think highly relevant. That's all for today's episode of Security Rules. Thanks for joining us. This episode is brought to you by Tufin, the security policy company. Tufin makes security manageable wherever your network resides, from physical networks, private cloud, public cloud, and containers. Visit tufin.com forward slash security rules to learn how orchestration and automation ensure business agility with integrated security. That's tufin.com forward slash security rules.